Jake and Brian. Brandon Cutler here from AEW, and I hope you guys have an awesome podcast with the Monster Cast. What, what was that? Your name is Jack and Ryan? Shut up, Jack and Ryan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Monster Cast. I'm your host, the Straight Edge Monster, Jack joined by Ryan, the co-host as well. I guess we're both technically co-hosts. But anyway, uh, welcome to the show. We have a lot to talk about. As you can see, I am rocking my cream of the crop macho man shirt, who was very uh, prevalent in the history of SummerSlam, which happened last night. And we are going to start with our hot tag topics. And of course, we have to kick it off with said SummerSlam. We, uh, oh, wait a minute. My bad. I forgot to turn the uh, text back on from the uh, prediction show. So if you watch the prediction show, you'll know that uh, I'm still king. Even though we picked, like, I want to say, what, four different, four matches were different out of the eight, right? I'll go over it in just a second. There it is. All right. Sorry about that. Uh, let's see. So let's go over the predictions real quick, and then we'll get into... Um, the actual show and our thoughts about it. There is one more thing I do have to do before we get into that, though, and that is give me my title. Let's fucking go. Still champ, still prediction champ. Here's the new records right there for you. I am 46 and 14, and Ryan is 39 and 21. Here we go. I only got one match more right than you, okay? So you went four and four, I went five and three, but because we fucking pick so many different matches it's it's really all over the place it's not like i can you know most of our prediction shows i'm like oh yeah we just got that that like, one well, that we picked different, different. <laughs> yeah. yeah that one that we picked different yeah that was the deciding factor okay so it did come down to roman versus lesnar obviously and yeah. of course exactly what i said was going to happen happened as far as the finish i should say and the rest of the match i no one could have predicted that and we'll get into that in a minute. But Shit, I literally said while we we're talking, I was like, they're going to have Austin Theory come out and cash out in the middle of that match. No, that's true. You did say yeah. that part. You. I will give you that. You did say that. Um, but I was talking more of the last man standing aspect of it with the Usos coming out and everything like that. Okay, so I picked The Miz and you picked Logan Paul. You got that right, and I did not. We both picked Rousey. We technically got that wrong because the ref made a mistake. And I cannot set a precedent and say that, final. you know, I cannot... I got to give it to the ref because I know later on, if I change it right now, something's going to happen later. You're going to be like, hey, wait a minute. You changed it for Rousey. Like, I'm not going to do that. So if we technically got they, it wrong. But If they overturn it tonight, then sure. Or Friday or whenever. But for right if now. If it gets overturned lost. in the history books, I don't really care if it gets overturned tonight. If it gets overturned tonight and they still have it listed as a live beater at SummerSlam, then I'm not changing it. But yeah, it's possible. I mean, it doesn't matter. We both picked the same one. So it really had no bearing on the overall record anyway. That would be but, a really fucked up way to do that, though. You just, uh, not for us, I mean, for the company. It's like, you give everybody the big, like, the big SummerSlam crowd their big cheer moment to make them happy, but then, like, the next night on television, it's just like, nah, we reviewed it, and fuck that. Ronda's the champion, actually. Um, we both picked, we both picked Pat McAfee. He won against Baron Corbin. Uh, I picked Lashley. You picked Theory. I picked, uh, correct on that one. Which actually made me nervous later on when your other shit was starting to come true. And I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. Uh, when his music hit during the Last Man Standing match. We both picked Judgment Day. We got that wrong. Uh, with Edge's return helping out the Mysterios. 
Um, the Usos, we both got right. Also, it looks like they're teasing the breakup after all, which I still don't agree with right now, and I don't think you do either. Right? Sorry, what was that? The breakup between the Street Profits. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. Um, and then that? we both picked Bianca Belair to retain over Becky. She did, and then, of course, we had the surprise uh, return of Bailey. Then the surprise return of the recently released Dakota Kai, and then the recently rumored to have her contract run out and walk away, Io Shirai, who is now going by Io Sky. And then we picked different for the Roman Lesnar match, and like I said, Roman ended up winning. So I went five and three. Ryan went four and four. Let's get your thoughts on the pay-per-view first, and then I'll throw in some of the stuff that I was writing on Twitter early this morning because I didn't watch SummerSlam live with everybody. I watched it after my uh, Twitch stream. Um, I think I got off around 12.30, 1 o'clock, something like that. So with the Io Shirai, Io Sky thing, for the record, um, what was said was that she does have one foot out the door, but she would come back for a main roster contract. And she's clearly on the main roster, so that was correct. Okay. And your thoughts on the rest of Summer's Lamb? <laughs> Not really. I mean, the... So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I gotta like, ask this. You weren't, you weren't, by the end of that show, you weren't, like, shocked that the show was as good as it was on paper? Because on paper, it did, was not supposed to be that good. I didn't think it, like, okay, so the tag team match with the Usos and uh, Street Profits, I felt like, was a worse one than the first one they had. I didn't really care that much throughout it. The Jeff Jarrett shit was not interesting to me. Um, the Bianca Belair-Becky match was pretty good, but I think everybody thought it would be. The stuff afterward, everybody was freaking out about, like, oh, like, WWE saved. Everything's going to be great now. Look, Triple H is back. Look, you got people back. Like, okay, cool. Like, you got back two people. Okay. We'll see what they do with them. Like, it's not like a whatever. Uh, the Lashley Theory thing, like, I picked Theory because of the way that they tend to book shit um, and thought that they would, like, keep him in the mid card. Um, and then I remember at the time I said, if they have him lose, then it might be to free him up to win the, the championship. And if they have Lashley lose, then it might be to free him up to go win the championship. So when Theory won, I was like, or when Theory lost, rather, I was like, fuck, like, he's gonna go cash in. Um, I'm just glad they didn't give it to him. The, um, what other matches? Um, I didn't watch the McAfee match. I did watch the low, I just dozed off during it. It wasn't, I dozed off before it started, so it wasn't the match itself's fault. Um, I did watch the, uh, Logan Paul match. That was pretty much what you expected to be, a bunch of bullshit outside interference type stuff. Maurice getting involved, blah, blah, blah. Um, setting up AJ Styles versus Champa is interesting. Like that's cool. Um, we'll see what they do with that. Like as far or as or a tag team match at Survivor Series with those two versus those two. I I wouldn't put Logan Paul with AJ Styles. AJ it might Styles not even be that. Bit. It might just be the Mysterios, Logan Paul, and AJ Styles versus Miz, Champa, and whoever. Yeah, maybe. Um, the Live Rousey stuff was. Like, I get what they're doing, I guess. Well, they had to protect Rousey if they're going to keep it right. on live. We both picked Rousey. But then just don't this have This makes match. sense, technically. But you really don't like to see weird finishes like that at the second biggest champions? pay-per-view of the year, yeah. For your babyface champions, too. Like, there's ways to do this if you want Liv to win that 
can still kind of protect Rousey. You could do like, I mean, nobody likes roll up finishes either, but it's still better than a fucking like, hey, your champ actually lost finish. Like it, it fucks up the credibility of the entire reign going forward. Yeah, I mean, it's weird when WWE goes out of their way to protect the heel. If this would have been flipped around and uh, live. Live tapped out or whatever. Taekwon, what's up? Welcome. Thanks you. Thank you for uh, coming back, man. Uh, what's going on here? This is a wrestling podcast that we do every week. Jake Madness GM. Um, that's what's going on here. We're talking about currently SummerSlam. Um, but if the roles were reversed and it was Rousey that won, but Liv had tapped out or whatever, right? And you and you keep the babyface protected. That makes a lot more sense than protecting your heel, does it not? Yeah, so the other part of that that doesn't make any sense is you could have done this exact same turn, could have done the exact same, like, whatever, just with a roll-up. Like, you didn't have to... Okay, from here on now, the entire title reign looks stupid because you have Liv, who lost. She tapped out before the pin was over. Um, you don't protect her at all by doing that. You're basically saying, yeah, the, the champion that you guys all love actually just lost her first defense of it because she's not that good and she won it on a cash in like she has no credibility right now whereas if you just give her like a straight win even if it's like a roll up even if it's like, kind of like ronda rousey hurts herself doing something and live ends up taking advantage and works that and then wins like that kind of shit makes everybody look better ronda rousey's not going to lose any credibility from taking one loss like that and then she can still do the heel turn stuff afterward and beat down live and still has all the same heat and nobody's really going to remember the loss as much as they're going to remember the turn. But they'll still remember Liv winning. Like, I, this booking is stupid. I, I don't like the tapping out during the pin actually would have lost if the ref was paying attention type shit. Like, it, it doesn't make anybody look good. Is this the weakest two Money in the Bank winners collectively that you've seen so far since we've had women Money in the Bank matches and men Money in the Bank matches at the same time? Theory for sure. Um... Eh, I mean, you can't. Okay, you can't. Say you can that like live and still say that it's the weakest, bro. It's okay. It's, you can. No, you no, can no. say because I, I don't. I'm not crazy about live either. Like it's not like I'm a. It's not like I feel the need to defend her. Um, I mean, she's pretty like average as far as wrestling ability and everything. I don't. It's. It's not like I'm trying to to scramble to find some way to defend her. But I'd say that, like. With the purpose of the Money in the Bank briefcase being what it is, this was fine. Like, she did cash it in the night that she got it. She won the belt off of it. The problem is putting her in a match with, again with Rousey right away instead of giving her some stuff to do before that rematch. Even if you're going to go with this finish, like doing it immediately is just stupid. I feel like this was a... I feel like there were a few things on this card, actually, that were like Vince booking things that they just had to kind of see through. And now that they're done... They're going to start writing different shit. So, Taekwon says Nikki Ash is the weakest Money in the Bank winner in his opinion. But my question is, collectively, so who was the male winner of the Money in the Bank match that same yeah. year? Because they could have been really fucking good and then and cancel out Nikki Ash, honestly. As a class of champions. <laughs> like, the 2021 champions, the 2022 champions, that kind of thing. Um, Yeah. And then Nikki cashed in on what, Charlotte, I think? It was like uh, Rhea Ripley had beaten her I don't know. I know. I mean, I mean, the bad part is, is we didn't have women money in the bank matches all the way back when Jack Swagger won it. So we can't 
I can't include him. So you know, I, I, like, I want to. Like, he would be the one that would have the biggest chance against Theory. But, you know, whatever. But anyway, so I, I want to throw this out there, too, because you didn't even touch on it, which is weird to me because it was my favorite match was actually the main event. I was fucking shocked, but I'm... Well, okay, let me, let me get this out of the way, though. I was also irritated because why didn't you do this fucking match at WrestleMania? Why did this fucking match right here, why did we not pick this matchup out of SummerSlam and put it in WrestleMania when it was billed as the biggest WrestleMania match of all time? That was a lot closer to what it should have been at WrestleMania when you have all that buildup. Now you got SummerSlam coming up, and no one gives a shit about this match because we've seen it a million times, and the last one at WrestleMania was terrible. And then you go out there and do something completely different and new and actually fucking entertaining. Like, I was actually entertained. And by the way, I also want to point out something that you said last week that I now 100% agree with, and that is the difference of Michael Cole on fucking commentary. He was amazing during that match. I mean, he was pretty good the whole show, but amazing during that match. Got me even more into it, was saying funny shit. Corey Graves is better as well. I'll give him a little bit of props too. He was really good during that match as well on commentary. Like, that fucking match is great, dude. Like, I watched it again. I literally went out of my way to watch it twice. So, and that's from someone who had zero interest in Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar going into that and going into WrestleMania too. I killed it before we watched that too. And rightfully so afterwards, because it was awful, but this match was really fucking good, dude. So on the Michael Cole commentary point, did you hear Corey Graves? I liked you better when you weren't allowed to have an opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I did hear that. That was funny. (laughs) It was funny. Oh, by the way, don't forget the, and then I even had less hype built into it because Drew's promo, where he fucking buries both of them because they've wrestled so many times, uh, hyping up his match with Clash at the Castle that he earned against Sheamus on SmackDown, which we knew was going to happen, right? We've been calling this for yeah. months. Um, but his promo got me hyped to the point where I was like, at that point, I didn't care who won because I'm going for Drew McIntyre because Drew McIntyre's promo was fucking amazing too. So when we were doing the prediction shows, I, I probably should have thought about the McIntyre thing more because there's no way that um, there's, there, I, I don't feel like they would have done a McIntyre-Lesnar match for the UK. Not it, when they're both was, faces right now, no. It, yeah, it was probably always going to be Drew and, and Roman. I should have thought about that. And then they kind of, they even watching like, like uh, on the pre-show and stuff, they kind of gave away the ending because they were talking about, oh, and then Drew McIntyre also has Roman Reigns next. Like... <laughs> Well, does he? <laughs> because the only way you would think that is if you already knew that he was about to, um, that Reigns was about to win. As when far Roman as the and match, Brock don't actually have to wrestle and can be meaty men slapping meat with weapons, it works by, from Taekwondo. And we love the big E quote. I will never get tired of the big E quote. So that's hilarious. And also, yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, because it wasn't a traditional match because they were able to do extra creative things because they were doing something because Brock, even though we've seen the Zambonis and the beer truck and the milk truck and the ATVs and all this stuff, the tractor, even though we've seen stuff like it, we haven't actually seen that. Then lifting up the ring was crazy. I'm actually shocked that one of the ropes didn't snap, by the way, the way that he lifted it up. Um, Very dangerous for Roman to, to be in there. And then all the crazy shit with doing the F5 to Paul Heyman, 
through the table was fucking nuts. Uh, the way he just kept getting up at nine every fucking time, like six times in a row, and Michael Cole just going losing his fucking mind on commentary. There's no way Michael Cole has a voice this morning. Not a, he definitely I got a sore throat at least. He went fucking nuts. But uh, yeah, I agree, dude. That that match was. I don't know if it's because I set the bar so low, but I have watched it twice and I felt the same way both times. Like that was match of the night. It was what it was. That's what it should have happened at. That's what should have happened at WrestleMania, in my opinion, with all the build. This one didn't have nearly as much build as the WrestleMania match and hype behind it. And look, look what happened. It was fucking amazing. Even the start of the match when Brock came out and cut off the announcer, did his own introduction, which was really good. Then jumped off the fucking tractor onto Roman. I mean, everything about that match, it just clicked. That match just clicked for me and for them, honestly. I think that was their best match so far as far as chemistry-wise, too. So, it was. I was pleasantly surprised. I thought the match was fine. Um, I mean, it was a good match and everything, whatever. I don't think that it was like a... Like, I, I feel like you liked it a lot more than I did. And I don't think that it's really that unique or different or whatever for a last man standing match in general. Um, they've done shit with forklifts before where they, they had somebody put the forklift down on somebody so they couldn't get up. I don't remember which match it was. But, like, the only unique thing about that match was there was a big tractor that they used for two spots. They they dumped Roman into the ring once, and then they lifted the ring once to, to like, topple Roman out of the ring. Everything else was pretty fucking standard. They've done the burying thing to make somebody not get up before. There's always finisher spam in a in a last man standing match. Like I just I don't see the. As fine, it was a good match, but I I don't get everybody acting like it was like so unique and like new and what it's. Well, we've never seen Brock F five Paul Heyman through a table or at all. I don't think. Uh, so that's one thing. Two, I've never seen somebody get up that many fucking times from that many different. Uh, Things that would have put a regular person down in another last man standing match. And by the way, that was Brock Lesnar's first ever last man standing match and SummerSlam's first ever last man standing match. So the amount of times that he was able to get up, every time he got up, the crowd got louder, Cole got louder. It just was one of those things where I was lost in the moment where like I was actually paying attention. I was locked in into the match and they were able to bring me bring me to that point. Now, if I was like casually not paying attention to the match or whatever, then yeah, maybe. But because they sucked me in from the get go when Brock started bringing the tractor down to the fucking ring. And then when really I was locked in as soon as he jumped on top of the fucking tractor for the introductions. And I was locked in. I was like, okay, let me see where the fuck this is going. Because the way that he stopped the tractor, we knew that it was going to come back into play later because it's literally in the way. It's like over the top of the ring. So I'm like, okay, something else is going to happen with this. So I was already kind of interested in seeing what spot they were going to do. Um, if it was going to be kind of lame or whatever. I mean, the dropping him in didn't have the same. That was like the only thing that really was a miss. That was probably supposed to have a better effect. Yeah, it was kind of, yeah, it wasn't high enough. Exactly. Um, but other than that, dude, it was fucking insane. I actually thought he was going to ram the ring at the beginning when he first came down there. And I was like, oh, shit, please don't ram the ring, dude. And then he did it later anyway. And I was like, man, this is fucking nuts. He fucked up the whole thing. It looked like a damn uh, just a tornado went through the fucking arena by the time the match was over. I, I fucking loved it. It was definitely 
Attitude Era-esque. You also had blood. Brock Lesnar started bleeding on his back through one of the tables. The second table, I believe, he got put through. I thought Roman really got hurt that one time with his fucking elbow arm when he fucking yelled out shit when he got thrown through the half a table or whatever. Ooh, that did not look good either. Like, there was some hardcore shit in that match. They were hitting the fuck out of each other. I just really liked the match. And I want to say I'm probably comparing it to just their other matches in general. Like, that is my favorite Brock versus Roman match. And there's many to choose from. And most of them are not great, in my opinion. But that one, I think, is like, if I ever had to watch a Brock versus Roman match, I'm watching that one. Like, if somebody was like, you have to watch a Brock versus Roman match, I'm watching that one every fucking time. I I really like that match. I'm not going to put it in the top five SummerSlam matches of all time or anything like that. you You know what I'm saying? But as far as entertaining, like, you can't tell me that it wasn't as entertaining as the fucking Knoxville versus Sami Zayn match at fucking WrestleMania. If you had to watch a, a Lesnar Reigns match, I feel like WrestleMania 31 would be fine. All right, like, we're moving you on. Act, you act like they've never no, no, that's no. the one Seth Rollins cash in on. What the fuck are you no. doing? No, had nothing to yeah. do with anything. Yeah. It has nothing to do with it. That's not a that that it defeats the purpose. That, there's no before. longer a Roman versus Brock match as soon as Seth Rollins came in the match and made it a triple threat. Still then. Um, Never had an ending. Just, the match itself, the moves, the like shit that was going on, whatever, it wasn't really that different than any no, of the other No, I agree matches. that it wasn't anything new, but they didn't mess up. They were hitting the fuck out of each other. Like, everything just looked crisp to me. Like, a lot of Brock Lesnar matches, he's just kind of just going out there, and he doesn't really care if he misses. I mean, he might have not cared if he missed uh, last night either, but my point is, is the chemistry was there last night, is my point. Everything was working on the same level. Everybody was on the same level last night. The only the only we'll mishap the only mishap was Brock trying to jump up on the fucking barricade. Yeah, that was the only mishap in the entire fucking match. Um, how'd you and feel for about Brock the versus, uh, for Brock versus Roman, who haven't fought since WrestleMania, and it was only a goddamn eight minute match? I feel like that was really fucking good. So don't, okay, so the Austin Theory cashing in thing. I know that I said that that was going to happen, but I still don't understand what the fuck the plan was. So here's, the, like, here's what I thought it was going to happen, and I'm, I'm kind of glad it didn't end up being this way, but I thought when he started beating him down with the Money in the Bank briefcase, Brock was going to stay down for the 10 count right there when Roman, start, when Roman took the briefcase and started just beating the shit out of him like 20 times. And then I thought Brock was going to start a feud with Austin Theory because that was if he would have never ran down to the ring, that briefcase would have never been there, which means he probably wouldn't, wouldn't have lost to Roman. But then he got up anyway, so I'm kind of glad they didn't go that route. But I thought... For a second, when that happened, I was like, "Oh God, that's what they're." That's why Theory came down to give him I, an extra weapon to fucking use against Brock. I literally mean in kayfabe. Like, what the fuck did Theory think was? Gonna, did he think he was going to have both kayfabe. of them stay? No, no, <laughs> listen, 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 listen. Do you think that he was going to have both of them stay down for ten seconds? Because if one of them standing up, how the fuck do you call the winner in a last man standing match when two guys are standing up and one guy's down? No, here's the thing. This is what I tried to tell you on the show last week. I said I would piggyback off your idea that he was going to come down in the last man standing match, and that motherfucker was counting, and I said when he cashed in, all he had to do was stay up for three seconds while the other two were down for three more seconds because they're already in the middle of a fucking count. I said that, first of all. Secondly, what I'm saying is that did they even acknowledge whatsoever that if Austin Theory got back up while Lesnar was down that it wouldn't count? Like, there well, was... That doesn't matter because it never happened. He never cashed in. 
He did cash in. No, Michael Cole literally said he didn't get the chance to cash in. They didn't even announce it on the fucking it uh, on the microphone. A... He did not cash in. He still is he's... money in the bank. If he's handing a fucking briefcase to the ref, you don't have to do this fifty fucking times for the ref to understand that you're cashing in. I don't understand that every time they do it, it's so fucking stupid. If I come out with a briefcase and I tell the ref, yeah, I'm in. That's it. Like, why the fuck do I have to do this eighty fucking times to the ref for them to understand that? Yeah, I'm in the match now. That's it's so fine. fucking you can dumb every time. That, but that's not the point. The point is, it never happened. The cash in never happened. They never announced that Theory cashed in on the microphone from one of the announcers. The ref never fucking held it up and said he was cashing in or went over to the fucking uh, announcer to say that he was cashing in because as soon as he was doing the handover to the thing, that's when Lesnar hit him. And so he never actually even fucking let go of the briefcase technically until Brock hit him. So if you watch the replay and then you listen to Michael Cole's call, he made sure that he said that right after he didn't actually cash it in so he's still money in the bank holder right now if you come out with the fucking briefcase and have any goddamn word at all with the ref what is the word other than i'm cashing in hey how you doing jim having a good time refing this match what the fuck is he saying with his mouth to the referee except for i'm cashing in yeah that's fine but the referee still has to go to the announcer and announce it to the audience to make it official is basically what is how they have always done it that's the thing what about Austin Theory saying that to the referee, even if he gets hit right afterwards, stops the referee from saying, okay, he just told me he's cashing in. But the ref never even had full control of the briefcase is my whole point. There's plenty of times to get full control of the briefcase when it's on the fucking ground. I'm not disagreeing with anything. I didn't create the fucking rule, dude. I don't know why you're yelling at me, bro. Like, I didn't do sense. it. This is how it's always been. Because it's not good. That's why. Because it's not good. It's never made any sense. It's fucking dumb. It's a dumb concept. Like, if you I mean, come it's no out different at from all... the shit that you said last week that he should do as far as the storyline-wise, where every time he comes out there to go cash it in, he stops because somebody's getting up and he knows he can't fucking beat him and gets scared and then runs away. What's the difference? That's he clearly difficult. was coming out there to cash in, so as soon as he starts running down with the fucking Money in the Bank, money in the bank briefcase, we all know that he's implying that he's going to cash in, so why doesn't it count as when as he starts he running says, down the ring? As soon as he's talking to a referee, what else would he be saying? As soon as he running down to the ring, what else would he be doing with the money yes, in the bank briefcase in his hand? Yes, but you still have to say something to the ref. You could walk out as much as you want. If he's in the fucking airport, he's not cashing in the airport when he's walking around with the briefcase. I don't know. But You'd have to go back and try to read his lips. I don't know if he actually ever said he was cashing in. Match. It looked like yeah. he was mulling it over to me. He was talking to the ref. Okay. His mouth was moving. So was he, he was saying, asking, how hey, does this work? Do you think I'm the cashing in the briefcase? No. He's never been money in the bank briefcase holder before. Maybe he was asking, how does this work, referee? <laughs> how does this work? I'm confused about the system, bro. I didn't read it. Did you read it? And then he gets hit. Yeah, okay. Whatever. This shit's stupid. I mean, it was a... We've never had it cashed in during a fucking last man standing match. You're already, you were already uh, fuzzing on the rules of what would happen if he cashed in, so... It, would it be an elimination? Would they restart the count, or would they just keep counting it? Like, if they were at seven, would they just go eight, nine, ten, theory wins, or would they restart the fucking count on both guys that were down because he just made it a whole new match, basically, just like with yeah, Rollins? You have to have both of them down the whole time. Otherwise, it doesn't work either because you can't have one guy get counted down and two guys standing because then who the fuck wins? Like, you would have to have had both guys down the whole time. But they were both down when he came out. That's my point. I understand that i'm not talking about when they're down i'm talking about the ending of the match do you remember if austin had gotten back up and left or anything he might have just been selling the one move for the whole time but i don't remember because <laughs> he was over on the left side so you think it would have been hilarious if 
Roman finally buries Brock and beats him. And then Theory comes around the corner with the Money in the Bank briefcase and hits Roman in the back of the head and tells the ref to count him. Because <laughs> what the fuck happened to Theory? I mean, he didn't really well, get then, hit with anything huge to not ever be seen a from again, right? Then the Usos will just be. He got, hit with, he got well. hit with a... Uh, with Lesnar, and then Roman hit him a couple times with the briefcase before he went to go destroy Brock. But Brock, Brock got like up like six more times after that. So you're telling me that you fucking have been sitting on the ground over there for like five fucking minutes because it takes like two minutes for a ref to count to ten. Count faster! By the way, I'm getting that audio clip from Michael Cole because that shit was funny as fuck. Um, but you're telling me Theory didn't get up? What chance did he actually have against Lesnar versus Reigns if he couldn't even get up in six minutes from getting hit in the back from the Money in the Bank briefcase one time? Doesn't make any sense. You're a That's why I can't Money in the match. Bank winner of all time. <laughs> he said, that one F5 is enough for me, son. Um, I'm going to stay down to this fucking 800 count. Um, he was down for a while. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I just it's it's always been a very stupid um, story thing to me. Like, there's nothing else you would be saying if you're talking to a ref. You're cashing in. Period. And I'm going to give the props to Bianca and Becky as well. That was definitely the second best match of the night um, to me. Probably the first best match to you, I guess. Um, But it was talking about talking about. I think that was their best match together too. Honestly. Yeah, probably. It was good. Um, what do you think about them turning her at the end? Uh, I mean, somebody's got to be on her side. The that injection like, of Bailey with the other two to make the female roster even better. I don't have a problem. People are cheering Becky anyway, whether she's heel or face. So it doesn't matter. Like, that's, that's really not that big of a deal. Yeah. You didn't even have to really do it. Like, it's good. In fact, if you were moment, paying attention when she came into the ring, they weren't checking. They weren't chanting Bianca who is the champion and should be the most over or whatever, they were chanting Becky's name. Becky was getting the chance when they were standing beside each other face-to-face, so... That's natural. Becky had, a, um, Becky had a huge fucking ovation when she came out, and by the way, it's one of those things where, like, I'll probably look on it back on it later and um, appreciate it more, but right now I just cannot get into her fucking entrance gears. I just cannot do it. Becky's. Yeah. I can't okay. do it, bro. Like, I feel like, I feel like if this was the early 90s, she'd be in there, bro. They'd be like, yeah, this is the coolest fucking, (laughs) the coolest shit ever. I just, right now, I cannot get into it. I might appreciate it 10 years from now when I look back, I'm like, yeah, that was kind of cool looking. But right now, dude, I just, I can't do it. I cannot do it. um, Listen. Looks like she had fucking solar panels on her forehead. She's from the future. So in the future, you will appreciate it more. Is that why she was fucking yellow and red for the SummerSlam colors? So it was like the solar panels. So she was like soaking up all the sun and the heat. And she was like, I don't, I didn't understand what the concept was behind it. Cause it clearly wasn't a character or anything. And then her fucking like jacket thing, her uh, thing was black. It's just straight black. And I'm sitting there like, what is this? Like, what is it supposed to be? Someone tell me like a, a sun panel, solar panel eclipse. I didn't know what was going on. No, she's Heat Miser from, um... <laughs> oh, shit, she might be. She might have been going for the Heat Miser look. That's I don't a know. Heat Miser look. That's a deep cut. All right. Oh, shit. Lynch, yeah. Lynch Miser. Lynch Miser! Maybe. Um, I guess if she actually took pictures with Seth Rollins backstage, they'd give, well, they would have matched, because he came out in that same type oh, yeah. of suit. We didn't even talk about that. Yeah. Why even have that segment? Because you have to have star power on your show, bro. 
I don't know why they even cut the match. Is my is my my big thing is why did they even cut the match? Like if if he what? Let's be real. Let's all be real, right? If Riddle really wasn't cleared, he wouldn't have been in the ring. That's not. They will literally not let you go out to the fucking ring. So he's obviously a kayfabe injury. Yeah, they don't let you take a stomp if you're injured. Um, And Vince didn't let anybody take a stomp when they weren't injured for years. It was a banned move. So. Like, what the hell? Like, if you even look at the Cody Rhodes stuff, what it was was, I'm going to put this sledgehammer on you and just kind of push it a little bit. Just, it'll be all right. (laughs) It was no, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Um, And he that was a real injury. Yeah, and he was, even then, he was, like, actually cleared through it because he still had the match. So, uh, yeah, if you're you're not cleared at all because of your injury, you're not doing any bumps, any spots, any bullshit. Um, So... I don't understand the point of the segment. It didn't make anybody look good. Um, I mean, I guess it made Rollins look good, but it didn't make Riddle look good at all. It was stupid. Like, I, if the point was, oh, look, he's still, like, so determined that he's going to come out and try to fight through his injury and whatever, and then he just gets beat up, it just makes him look like an idiot. So I, I didn't understand the point of that segment. I'm not the all biggest right, we gotta Riddle talk fan, about. So we got to talk about overall cool. grades then, because we had, um, what matches have we not talked about, really? The Pat McAfee won. You didn't see that match. It was okay, it. but whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like it was kind of just thrown in there. Um, uh, was there's? I feel like we're missing one. Are we missing one match, or did we talk about all eight already? Um, we did. I mean, we didn't talk much about Judgment Day and Mysterios. Yeah, um, I don't need to. But, uh, honestly, yeah, it wasn't. So By the way, Logan Paul's better than Dominic Mysterio already. Just saying. True. I will agree. Um, but yeah, I guess we covered it all then. I mean, what would you give the overall pay-per-view as, like, on a 10-point scale type deal? Or maybe you can do a grade, you can do, like, a letter grade, too. I don't really care which one you do, but... Yeah, I mean, if I'm doing a letter, it's probably, like, a B. Like, it's not bad. It was a good show. It was a better show than going had. Going in, what did you... Yeah, exactly. What did you think it was going to be? D, yeah, right? right. Like, D. I think that's part of it, too. Like, the expectations were so low because it was so many rematches. And just shit that didn't make any sense. Um, but, yeah, I mean, overall, it was, like, a B show, yeah. Yeah, I went in with about a C- minus uh, mindset... And I came out of it, I went probably, I would give it a B plus. I think the highs were really high. And then like the lows were like, okay, but it wasn't anything like egregious it was like, oh, that was so bad that I'm clearly killing it on today's show, right? Like I'm not killing any of it. I, if I had to skip any match, if I watched the whole pay-per-view back, I would skip Lashley in theory probably. No, I take that back. I'd skip the Judgment Day uh, Mysterios is what I would skip. Um, gotta give Lashley his props. Also, I didn't like this, guys. I don't know if you noticed this, and I'll say this before we move on. Did not like the setup of the aisle at all. The bend was stupid. Hated it. Because you gave everything away to the live audience because of where you had to set up everything. So the Drew promo, the Lashley entrance, the Edge return made no sense at all because you're setting it up in the bend of the aisle. So literally everyone that's there live can see you doing this. It was weird to me. I did not like that at all. That's, I mean, it's a nitpick, obviously. I, they probably can't control that, or if they can, then they're really dumb. But if they can't control it, then it's no big deal. Just a nitpick. Um, just was not a fan of it because of how many returns you had. And then when you had Bailey come out, it took fucking five minutes before Bianca was able to even to see her. Like you saw, she recognized yeah. the music and saw the Titantron or whatever, but she, like, you couldn't even see him. <laughs> that, that, and then also you had the issue where Dakota Kai comes out and it takes like two minutes to get to the ring. 
And then you hear more music, and you're like, oh, cool, yeah, Shroud's back. But then it's like, fuck, now i got to wait another two minutes for her to walk to the fucking room. <laughs> like, it was just too long. The ramp was too way, long, also, the curtain was weird. The yeah, the, the other thing I'll, I'll say this about that, um, another nitpick, obviously, but I would have said Bailey's return for the last. She would have been the third person out, not Io Shirai or Io Sky and not Dakota Kai. Dakota Kai would have been the first one out or Io Shirai maybe even, either way, because Dakota Kai, I think, would have been a bigger shock as far as, holy shit, she was released. That would be cool. Then Io Shirai, and then, you could, then in your head you're thinking, oh, man, this is an NXT thing. Then they turn around and they point or something, and then when Bailey comes back, everybody will lose their fucking shit, right? Like, I thought Bailey should have been, because she was the bigger star out of the three before they all were gone or whatever. So I think she should have been the other one. And the other thing I didn't like, the nitpick, and it's just because I'm an old-school guy with wrestling, is the champion doesn't come out first. I hate it. Hate but they that. had to because of the tractor. I get that. I understand that. But I still don't like it. I don't like it. He could have had, you could have had Roman come out. And by the way, Roman's entrance. God damn, that thing took, it was eight it Undertaker? Ten minutes. Eight minutes. Fucking, I, I love his theme. Underrated theme, by the way. Love Roman's theme. I don't think it gets talked about enough. It's a really good theme. Fits his whole gimmick that he has. But you're not telling me that he can't just walk out there because it only ends up being him and Paul Heyman anyway because the Usos go back to the back. And he can't, you can't, you're telling me he can't walk around the tractor and look up at Brock and try to be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what's going on here? Like, he could have easily done that and then done the acknowledge me to him. I, I would have started the match off where he does the acknowledge me, but he's facing Brock and then Brock jumps on top of him. That's what I would have done. I would have even done introductions. It might just be a Roman Reigns thing, too, because if you remember, he came out first during the, um, Seth Rollins match at uh, Royal Rumble, too. And I think both of them were because they're trying to do something with the other person's entrance that has some kind of impact on Roman as, like, as he's there. If so they made the it a part of his character, like, I would appreciate it more. Like, no, I'm coming out first every time because I want everybody to acknowledge me. Now, that yeah. would make more sense to me. Like, if he actually made it a part of his gimmick where he actually went out of his way or Paul Heyman went out of their way to say that, like, this... I come out first. I always come out first. I'm the champion. I want everybody's eyes on me, nobody else at at one moment or whatever, and acknowledge me. That that would make sense, and I wouldn't have a problem with it if it was part of somebody's gimmick. But because he hasn't come out first every single time, then I can't. I, it's just, I mean, that's just a personal preference thing, obviously. I, I shouldn't care as much about it as I do. I'll, I'll just say that. Like, it's just a little thing that I don't like. Never been a fan of. It doesn't bother me that much. I like, especially with the Roman, uh, the Roman Reigns Seth Rollins match, where he came back with the, the shield entrance and the shield gear. It wouldn't have worked if Rollins came out first. So it just, yeah. No, no, I I completely agree. But like, I, like I said, if that was a, and the other thing is, is because you have a dominant champion like that, you have to find new ways to get into his mind games as far as kayfabe wise for the challengers to try to throw him off. So I get why they're doing it. It's just, I wish they would have made it part of Roman's story because, I mean, I mean, obviously, maybe they didn't know that he was going to, when he won the title at first, he was going to go on this fucking two-year run or whatever. Um, but the crazy thing about every, all of this is, is um, when they were uh, announcing the other guys that have held it longer than Roman, and it's Hogan... Backland and San Martino. And besides them all being white guys, <laughs> what do they all have in common? Do you know? 
aside from the era that they were in. Um, well, no, nah, well, I mean, I really Hogan is from a era up technically. Um, but the other thing that they have in common is the fact that they were all faces. This is the first heel that has ever held the title that long. It's fucking crazy when you think about it. Heels don't hold titles that long. Backlund wasn't heel for any part of his run? No. Hmm. He was a face, and then Arnold or Arnold Scarlin or Scarlin or whatever the hell his name was threw the towel in against Iron Sheik. No, he was a face the entire run. Bruno San Martino was clearly the face the entire run, all of his runs. He was never heel, I don't believe, and Hogan was a face his entire run. Well, as champion, match. as WWF champion, I should say. So yeah, that's crazy to me. Like when I when that I was like, besides them all being old white dudes and Romans, uh, Samoan, I said other than that, I was like, I was trying to like, man, it's weird because he's a heel, and um, I believe Punk started out as a face with his with his run, but ended up being a heel, uh, and of course Roman's already surpassed him. So Roman is the longest reigning heel champion in WWE history, I believe. I'm pretty sure, based off of what they said last night, anyway. So I thought that was pretty cool. All right, so let's move on. We, uh, I give it a B plus. Ryan gives it a B. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next thing. We're actually going to put the timer on this one. Um, maybe if it uh, works today. I guess it's not going to work today. Is it not going to work today? Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. There it is. It worked. All right, let's go. Uh, Triple H is back. I know you love that picture of Triple H pointing to Triple H. That's fantastic. Uh, so he's back in... Now he's not only the new talent relations guy, but he's back in charge of creative. And of course, this was our earlier um, last week that this broke and everybody started losing their shit because, you know, Bruce Pritchard is now out as far as that. And he hasn't lost his job overall, but he's just no longer head of creative Triple H is. Um, here's the thing. This actually got me a little bit more excited than Vince retiring or Lord Knight is getting taken out or anything like that. Like, this is an actual, I feel like an actual baby step forward. Um, and then, like you said earlier, and I, I assume that you are just like CM Punk and you're not fully on board yet with the, the changing of the culture of the guard, per se, because Vince is obviously still alive, right? So, with Dakota Kai returning who Vince didn't like and didn't want to bring up to the main roster after our tryout matches after Io Shirai returning and everybody losing their collective shit online because of those two things. Do you not think that's a small step in the right direction for triple H? And also um, there was something else that he did. Oh, the uh, Drew McIntyre Sheamus match on SmackDown, by the way, which came out of nowhere and was really fucking good. Um, who two other guys that have wrestled a shit ton, but we all know that Sheamus is definitely a Triple H guy. If everybody remembers back in the day when Triple H was an act active wrestler, he took Sheamus under his wing and was trying to get him uh, pushed big time against uh, John Cena and stuff like that. And I believe he's friends with Drew McIntyre. I mean, he brought him into NXT when Triple H was obviously in charge of it. So do you not see subtle changes already with Triple H in charge of creative? Yeah, but... That doesn't... Okay. So, bringing back one person and moving up... I mean, I guess kind of moving up someone and then booking a couple good matches, like, that doesn't contradict anything that Punk said or any of the concerns that he had. So, 
Is he going to have some influence on the show? Yeah, of course. Is it going to be enough to completely change the direction of the company or anything like that? That's yet to be seen because we still don't know. Like, yeah, you could say all day, yeah, uh, Vince doesn't have any control anymore. It's Triple H writing everything. It's, uh, everything's going to be different now. It's going to be like NXT Black and Gold days. Storylines are going to make sense. They're going to have actual arcs. Like, there's not just going to be weird, like, throw shit at the wall, hope it sticks. If it doesn't, we just forget it ever happened type stuff, at least not to the same extent. But there's nothing stopping Vince from making a phone call and be like, hey, uh, let's change that, blah, 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 blah. Like, it's just, it, you won't see as many scripts torn up on Monday afternoon, probably. Um, but other than that, I, you know, it, you're trying to guess at something that we don't really know the dynamics of, is what it is. Jake Madness GM says, LOL, I tell you what, if it was a podcast over dinosaurs, your chat would be full. Did you not just hear us talk about Hulk Hogan? Come on, man. Bernard Sammatarian, that's too... <laughs> yeah. Bob Backlund? He said Bob Backlund and Iron Sheep, bro. It's dinosaurs all day. Um... <laughs> I mean, okay, so I actually think this is a small step, but I am very cautious. I'm not... I'm not going to just jump back in. Now, SummerSlam got me hyped. I'm not going to lie. It's not hyped enough for me to watch Raw, okay? I might watch SmackDown Friday night. Because this last SmackDown was actually pretty decent overall. Uh, but not jumping back in yet because we made the same mistake with Impact how many times when they were TNA? And now, like, you they're too made, many I goddamn times, right? Well, I did too many times. You might have done it more than once. <laughs> or only once, rather. But anyway, so we're gonna, I'm going to take the wait-and-see approach. But I do think... There's a little light at the end of the tunnel here, and we're going to talk more about the Triple H thing in media time for sure when we have Ryan tell us who he thinks Triple H will potentially bring back. And I do have a bunch of... Uh, I have... I have a... You'll see the picture, but I've got a bunch of pictures up of different guys or girls uh, that he could bring back. So we'll get your thoughts on that. You don't have to go through each one specifically. It's just to jog your memory of who's been released and who they could technically bring back right this instant because they're not with AEW or Impact, etc. Um, so we'll get into that at media time. But I think it's promising, but I'm not going to just sit on here the fucking day after SummerSlam and be like, oh yeah, WWE's back, baby, we're here. We're like, it's going to be good again after fucking 15 years of us bitching about it. It's just not going to happen overnight. Let's see if uh, Reddit decides to send him a fruit basket again. But um. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, if he if he has as much influence and control over it as he did Black and Gold NXT, then I would assume the product gets better. Um, I wouldn't assume that Vince has zero control or zero say anymore. And couldn't still be changing stuff behind the scenes though, which is what a lot of people seem to be saying for some reason. Um, somebody that's like him and has like as much of a control issue as he does, I would not be surprised if he has someone there sending him shit the day of the show like here's the plan for the show and he if he cares that much about any specific thing he will absolutely call somebody and be like no we got to change this we got to change that like just because he's not there physically doesn't mean he's not still got whatever influence on the show so by we'll the way see. we'll be able to tell real fast if it was a vince idea because we know the difference between triple yeah. h's nxt and vince's wwe so it's only going to take that one really dumbass storyline that only vince would do and then you're gonna like oh no he's definitely in Pritchard's ear or uh, Triple H's ear trying to get some shit changed or whatever. Like, we'll be able to tell relatively quickly if something dumb happens. Do you know we can? Because 
remember when Heyman had creative control of Raw for like a fucking cup of coffee? It was like three weeks, four weeks. Yeah, and he was pushing well, Ricochet and Alistair Black. Yeah, yeah. and all of a sudden, Bloody like, it's like, oh, there's Ricochet. Fuck yeah. And it was like, okay, this is clearly somebody else running it. And then you find out, like, oh yeah, Heyman took creative control over all, like, last week. And then guess what happened? Okay. As soon as he lost control, we had fucking, yeah. what was that stupid backstage fighting shit with Shane McMahon? Uh, uh, the Raw Underground? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll be able to tell if Vince has any kind of say-so. I yeah. promise you guys. All right, we got to move on, though. We're going to move on to AEW. A lot of shit happened on AEW. Oh, my God. I'm going to try to condense this down as much as I can. Rampage and Dynamite were great. Dynamite was fucking one of the best Dynamites I've seen in a long time. But Ryan did not like the Will Hobbs turn on Ricky Starks, and we have to know why. Didn't. Um, okay, so you've been building this up them up as this, like, tweener tag team for the longest time. Everybody, like, really wants to see them both succeed. Um, they've had close calls in a few matches. They're like on the cusp every time. Um, it's like a really good like story of determination and like feeling like you're coming up from the undercard, blah, blah, blah. And then you have Hobbs turn on him. Now what you've done if you, is you've put two people who were very liked as like a, like a face team or whatever, and also could have been very liked in singles runs. You've put Hobbs in this shitty position. He's like in the Brian Cage, Lance Archer position now. Like, the way that you have to book him in the Starks feud, you have to have Starks go over. There's no other way to book that. After that's over, then you're the big fucking monster guy that lost to Ricky Starks. Which everybody wants to see Starks succeed, but then what the fuck do you do with Hobbs after? You, you Having him lose that Starks feud right off the bat, which again, he has to do, it puts him in a position where he's never going to be like a Miro. He's always going to be like the Brian Cage, the Lance Archer. Can I throw something out at you? And I know this is going to sound, it's going to sound dumb at first, but I want you to like actually process it. What if Hobbs got rid of Starks because he blames him for not ever being able to get over the hump and he doesn't blame himself. He's like, I did my part. We couldn't win the tag team titles because of Starks. What if he joins up with Stokely Hathaway and forms a new tag team with Lee Moriarty and wins the tag straps with him? Too soon for Moriarty to make Starks look bad is my initial thought. Because the whole Lee Moriarty whole... couldn't ever get over the hump with uh, Matt Seidel either, so I feel like it would it, it would make sense. That's different. Like Seidel was never going to be a top guy. Starks is going to be a top guy. Yeah, but Starks is going to be a top guy by himself. Like he's a, we are already we already know who we're comparing him to, and you can't be that unless you're a singles guy, right? And get a lot of trends so i think um, so is it safe to say that you have a bigger problem with it just because they never got a run with the tag titles then like if yeah, they would have like had if, a run with the tag titles had and, then this happened? and lost them and then yeah that'd be fine but like you were you were doing such a good job building this idea that they're gonna overcome this and like it's gonna be like a huge thing and then all of a sudden you just cut that off in the middle and not only cut it off in the middle but cut it off in a way where one guy is not going to be able to come out of this looking good because even let's say let's say that my concern is completely wrong, and they do end up booking Hobbs to win that that feud. Then Starks looks even fucking worse, and it's like, how long can you cheer for a guy who keeps losing? Well, I mean, like, is there is it not possible that they put Hobbs in a prominent position in Ring of Honor as well? You mean just not have the feud at all, or just have the no, feud? No, no, and then no. Just eventually, off? after he loses the Starks, go to Ring of Honor type deal. 
You could, but again, that's it's just one of those things where it doesn't look great. And also Cage is over there too, and you've got the same I, problem I guess it would depend on how close Tony Khan is to a weekly television deal because you're going to need talent, bro, if you're on weekly. So, like, if you were able to bring Hobbs as far as name value, because he does have some now, especially for a Ring of Honor show, I think that would be good. And I also wouldn't be opposed to a Ring of Honor, uh, not even a, it doesn't even have to be Ring of Honor. If you want to bring Cage back up to AEW, fucking Brian Cage and Will Hobbs fucking tag team would be fucking insane to me. So, I mean, there's other things I think you could do with Hobbs besides losing him in the shuffle in a singles division. I don't think he necessarily just has to be uh, put in the singles division just because he turned on Starks. He could literally turn on Starks because he never got the tag team straps and then go try to find a new tag team partner. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, but again, they have to do the singles feud either way. I agree like, that they do have to do that first and it probably will be all out September 4th. So yes, I agree with that Starks part will, because you turn Starks on him, you have to fight him one-on-one -on -one now. But right. after and that, I do feel like it would be beneficial to Hobbs if you just if you have if you think you have a better thing because you really want to push Starks but you also want to keep Hobbs strong and put him in another tag team to give him an actual tag title run I don't have a problem with them putting him in a new tag team if it makes sense it's real hard to tell the story that this guy was the guy holding me down and holding me back and the reason we never won anything and then lose to that guy and then have that story have any kind of credibility going forward so then even if you do put him in a tag team you kind of always know that, yeah, if he lost that singles match with each other, then he was the problem in the team because he was clearly the worst of the two. I agree, like but it could also be Stokely Hathaway is always at the ringside while Taz is on commentary position. It could be a lot of different things that you could look at as far as what was the change would be if I, I'm saying if he got it was Stokely, Stokely Hathaway, obviously, is what I'm saying. But you could also have it, they meet up backstage in three pay-per-views from now and Starks is the TNT champion and Hobbs is the tag team champion and they cross paths and they stare each other down and they look at each other's gold and nod at each other and walk off. Like, maybe they just need this. Maybe they both need it. Maybe they just couldn't get it done together and they will both flourish away from each other. You can other. tell that same story without doing the turn. You can tell that story with a fucking backstage segment where Hobbs is just like, look, man, like, I just... I feel like I need to go try something else, like whatever. And you could keep them both super, everybody's super high on them. Everybody really likes both of them. They have like a mature fuck. Like it's that thing that WWE does where every tag team eventually has to turn on each other. I fucking hate it. It doesn't make any sense. You don't have to do it that way. Do you, what do you think they do with Ricky Starks here as far as Team Taz? Is he just a face? I mean, obviously Team Taz, as far as Taz and Hook, don't have an issue with Ricky Starks. And now they clearly have an issue with Hobbs because he showed his son respect after the match and then Hobbs turned on Starks. And clearly it's going to be Taz just pretty much managing Hook from here on out as long as he has the FTW championship, you would assume. So now does Stark really, Starks really just go out by himself and then Hobbs obviously is going off by himself as well? Yeah. Uh, you can I mean, I guess that's what you have to do. Um, because the Dan Housen Hook thing seems like it's kind of not very prominent anymore, even though Hook did come out after the Dan Housen match. Yeah, that's probably I was expecting it because Dan Housen was Hook's guy, so that right. made sense. So, what did you think of him winning the title? Did because when I watched it live. I'm not expecting any of the shit. Not expecting the Hobbs turn. Definitely not expecting Hook to come out and win the FTW title, at least not on a random dynamite, right? I expected Hook as soon as he grabbed the mic after it. As soon as he grabbed the mic and said, uh, just like last week, I'm going to call somebody else, I knew it was going to be Hook. Because it was Dan Housen in the first match. And because we hadn't seen him in a while, like it just it's, that's what made sense. I already knew as soon as he grabbed the mic, it was going to be Hook. The crowd did too. If you listen to him, you hear them. Yeah, no, they definitely were chanting Hook. But here's the thing. Um... 
I knew he was going to win as soon as he came out in orange. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be real with you. When he came out in orange, dude, I knew he was winning the match. And I was like, holy shit. Ricky Starks is about to lose this title. But, I mean, the whole fucking show was really good. You, ha you had... You had Hook winning the FTW title from Starks. You had uh, Hobbs turning on Ricky Starks out there. A really good fucking promo from Starks, and everybody was clearly behind him. Yeah. You had uh, uh, the great uh, match between Garcia and uh, Brian Danielson, which Danielson lost, which was really surprising to a lot of people. But kayfabe-wise, I think it was brilliant. Yeah, kind of weird that you're going to play on that kind of injury though when he does have a history of that in the past that that kind of was weird to me but i get it like no i mean it's not okay if you got a guy with a history of fucking neck injuries or a history of like knee problems they do the same thing they sell that part as part of the match yeah, i thought that was fine yeah, brain injuries is a lot more dangerous to be fucking around with though but they're not fucking around with it you're selling a part you're selling something that you had an issue i, I didn't see this I understand where people are like uncomfortable with it because you worry about them in the moment that it's a real thing. But like when Seth Rollins came back from his knee shit, people were working his knee. What's the difference? The knee's not the brain. That's the difference. That's my point. From, from a wrestling selling point of view, it makes sense to focus on that and to sell that. That's all. I think it's uncommon. So people are like, they're weirded out by it. But if you think about it, like, in a one-to-one -one apples to apples kind of thing, like it's not really that different than any other injury you come back from and sell. Um, okay. And then I feel like I'm missing another big thing that happened because SummerSlam just fucking completely wrecked all my AEW information as far as what was in my brain. Cause so much shit happened last night. Cause we usually, we don't get the WWE pay-per-view on Saturday right before the show. You know what I'm saying? So. And also it's usually not good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, had, you had, um, Kingston and Takeshita. Yes, I knew Takeshi fought somebody. I just cannot remember who the fuck it was. And then uh, that was on Dynamite. Yeah, it was on Dynamite. No, that was on, no Takeshi was Rampage. Sorry, um, Takeshi. Yeah, so that was. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. Wait, no, I thought that I'm was thinking, the week before. No, yeah, that's the week before. You're right. You're right. You're yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Shit, who am I thinking of? Takeshi did something. Takeshi and Claudio. Uh, no, he's gonna fight Claudio. God damn it. Who did he He's going fight? to fight Claudio. He did not fight Claudio on Wednesday. He's going to fight for the Ring of Honor title against Claudio next. But I swear Takeshita had a fucking we... match, dude. I do too. Who the fuck am I thinking of? I know I know Wheeler Yuta came out and was talking mad shit about Jericho. And I know Moxley said he wanted Lionheart Chris Jericho um, to show up at Quake by the Lake in a couple weeks or whatever it is. But Yuta's going to fight Jericho next week. Or this week, I should say, technically. So that was interesting. Was actually, yeah, I don't think this week's rampage was actually that no, like notable because I'm I'm already confusing it with weeks before. So it had to be no. Ethan Page wrestled uh, Leon Ruffin and beat him. Right, and then okay. Stokely yeah, Hathaway okay. was looking at him yeah. backstage. Yes, I remember now. And then you had the um, you had the match with um, uh, uh, Anna Jay and uh, Ruby Soho. Yeah, with Anna Jay winning. And Anna Jay winning. And then you had the Lee Moriarty Matt Seidel match. That's where that he was. took the card after the match was over, correct? Officially pretty much saying that he's joining Stokely Hathaway. Yeah. Oh, and then he, there was the um the best friends match too with um Lethal and those people. Yeah. But on Dynamite, I feel like we're forgetting something big. Probably. Is what I'm saying. Not it's Rampage. Been a it's been a minute.
Um, so it was technically Fight for the Fallen 2 or 1? No, just two. 1. Fight for the Fallen was only so 1. It was, it was Moxley Roosh. Oh, um, I know what it was. Fucking the Young Bucks finally met Adam Page in the backstage area. It was oh. Adam Page's birthday, so everybody finally thought we were going to get, like, I mean, technically we did get a uh, baby step forward in that storyline because he did tell Adam Page that he had been trying to contact him or thought about contacting him multiple times or whatever. But then Dark Order came up and wished him a happy birthday. And apparently Nick, Jackson, Nick Jackson's birthday is right after... Oh, um, Nick Jackson's birthday is right the day after Adam Page's. So they both told each other happy birthday, and then Dark Order was came up and pretty much intervened, and then uh, the Young Bucks walked away instead of trying to get involved with it. I thought that was a significant thing because guess what, guys? They finally announced the fucking trios titles, which is where I was going with this whole thing because that was the other huge news coming out of it. They definitely look like the WCW six-man titles, if anybody's ever seen them. I love them. Besides the fact that they just have the trios in, inside the world globe, they pretty much look like the WCW six-man titles. Uh, love these titles. I think they look really clean. I love how all their titles are completely fucking different from each other as far as uh, visual aspects. They look so much different, and they all look good. That's the crazy thing, um, especially after they updated the AEW women's title. So they announced that, and there's going to be a tournament, and I assume because the— Young Bucks walking into Adam Page, they're going to have to choose between Omega, Cole, and Adam Page of who they want to be their partner going into this trio's tournament. Cole's going to do Undisputed Era if they're all cleared. Well, I heard that the Undisputed Era is actually coming back. Undisputed Elite or whatever is coming back because I believe they were actually um, promoted that during that show. Okay. Um, so you're going to so have let's... Cole and Red Dragon probably versus well they're gonna be in the tournament for sure we we have an idea that they're gonna do house of black but we don't know if buddy matthews is how serious his injury is though is the problem so they should be in it too um of course you have Brody king wants to do a coffin match with uh darby which is fucking crazy and then you're gonna have the dumpster match with the acclaimed and the gun club as well which is obviously a throwback to when the new age outlaws were in a dumpster match with chainsaw charlie who was terry funk and cactus jack so that's gonna be cool as fuck too so the uh, after the Bruce Moxley match, you remember, which was Moxley, really fucking good, by the way, it was good. Um, you had Jericho and Moxley get set up for a match for the interim title. Um, I guess I have to give Jericho something to do. He's not gonna win. There's no fucking way. You don't take that off of Moxley right before a potential like Moxley Punk match, because Jericho Punk is not a that's not as nearly as big a draw. Um. Let's see, the... You had the Samuel Guevara, Dante Martin thing. And, oh, and then the Jungle Boy stuff, too. Um, oh, yeah, that was it. That's it. That's another yeah. big thing that happened. The Jungle Boy promo, which we kind of actually talked about during the prediction show, believe it or not, is when we were talking about, like, the younger guys that can't really talk getting put with people that can actually talk instead of having somebody write your fucking promos word for word and then you sounding like shit because you don't know anything about cutting a promo whereas if you're actually under the wing of someone like a christian who's really good on the fucking mic you can actually clearly see them and you can literally watch it week to week hey he's getting slowly better and better and better and that was the culmination i'm not going to say he's like one of the best ever on the mic now or anything but that was clearly his best promo ever and uh shows you why aw puts people that have actually done this 
and gotten over doing this and hiring these guys to be in the backstage area to help out their younger guys. AEW's structure, as far as that goes, is so much better than WWE's. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and they're still teasing the Luchasaurus split, too. So, yeah. And I guess Wardlow is going to go against Jay Lethal or Satnam Singh next as well, which they teased after the match with the best friends or whatever, because Wardlow came out. So I assume it's going to be Wardlow versus Jay Lethal for the TNT title eventually. But I mean, as a wrestling fan who, even though I'm not supposed to view Ring of Honor as a step down from AEW, I clearly do. So if he couldn't beat Samoa Joe for the television title in Ring of Honor, what makes you think that he's going to beat Wardlow for the TNT title in AEW? I just don't see the point of it besides to give Wardlow a quick feud and a quick win. I was thinking more of it as a, a setup for him and Satnam Singh, actually. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I mean, one, I don't want to see that match over the other one. But two, um, but two, I mean, it's whatever. Like, can he even... Satnam Singh is a big motherfucker, and he made Wardlow look like a dwarf, son. So I don't even know if Wardlow can actually fucking powerbomb this man or not. Sure you can. Uh, you're relying a lot of fucking athletic ability on Satnam Singh in that position to do a powerbomb. It's going to look like fucking Kevin Ash breaking Big Show's neck in He's WCW. Tall enough, he, just, he can just put his leg over his shoulder. Ain't no big deal. Um, just do it standing. <laughs> well, I guess technically he could do it by having Sotnam sing on the top rope and doing it that way. Yeah. Maybe. Where he gets underneath go, him and just walks like one yeah. whole half a step and then drops him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think he's All right. though, So, yeah, I mean, AEW was fucking crazy this week, guys. I mean, one of the best dynamites I've seen in a while. Uh, yeah, like Ryan said, remember it for a minute. Like yeah. Ryan said, the Jungle Boy thing with Christian. Um, I really didn't think they needed Christian to come out during that part, honestly. And the I thought they should have just cut it with the, the Jungle Boy thing. Really fucked up. Like they weren't putting the they were putting the feed of Christian on television, but they weren't doing it into the arena on the screen yet. And you could tell because Jungle Boy kept talking, and Christian kept trying to interrupt. So they weren't piping the video and audio onto the Titantron yet. Um, I would have saved the yeah. Christian rebuttal for rampage honestly i wouldn't have had him actually cut i mean jungle boy's promo was doing so well and so good yeah i wouldn't even had christian show up honestly on that um but anyway that's just a nitpick if you're writing a promo that you don't really know what the ending of it is gonna be it makes sense to have somebody cut it off but with all out coming up and you know i i mean we all feel like it's gonna be christian versus jungle boy right i mean jungle boy could have literally just ended it by issuing the challenge to christian I mean, but then they had Christian do that, basically, right? So then, yeah, but then Christian can either answer it on Rampage or wait till next week on Dynamite because I mean, it is still September fourth. We still got another month to go here, so I mean, like, it's whatever. Um, yep. All right, let's move on. This is the last topic of hot tag topics here. We got to talk about. Oh, it cut off. My bad, guys. But we're going to talk about historic. Uh, God damn it! Sorry about that. I guess I should have looked at that before I fucking. Uh, it's crossing over off the screen. <laughs> yeah, it's this is it's the biggest crossover of all time. Um, all right, hold on. Let me get let me fix that for you guys. Oh, that's the wrong thing. God damn it. Where is it? There it is. My bad, guys. All right, historic crossover. This is a joint event between New Japan Pro Wrestling and Stardom, an official uh, joint event. And I actually have it up here. I'm going to read a little bit of this. Um, despite being the first time the two companies will have a crossover event, it's not the first time we've seen them on the same card. 
starting at Wrestle Kingdom 14. Obviously, they started be having started uh, matches on the undercard or whatever before the before the pay per view started. Um, but in November, New Japan Pro Wrestling will have a crossover show with this, their sister promotion, Stardom. The event is called Historic X Over, and it includes mixed tag team matches, championship action, and more. Historic X Over will be live on November 20th later this year with tickets going on sale on September 23rd. However, if you are a part of New Japan Pro Wrestling or Stardom's fan club, you will receive early access to buy the tickets on August 18th. Now, this is a big deal um, we've mentioned on the show many times how I want them to incorporate stardom more into their shows. Um, I think this is a nice step to that. Uh, and I think it gives a really good platform for the stardom wrestlers on a bigger sale because new Japan is bigger than stardom and they have a lot new Japan has a lot of crossover appeal in America right now. So this is a perfect time to do this so that American fans can see just how good these and fucking stiff these motherfucking women are over there. Um, this is going to be an awesome show. I cannot wait to get this show or to watch the show. Uh, what are your thoughts about historic X over between New Japan and Stardom as someone who is the big New Japan guy on the show? Um, I was not surprised to see the little bit of backlash to it. Um, there is like a... <clears throat> There is a, a real separation between men's and women's wrestling in Japan, um, clearly, which is why this is a big deal to begin with. Uh, a lot of people are just like, you know, this is kind of defeating the purpose of women having their own promotion over there. I'm not really that can into I, women's can wrestling. Can I cut you off for a second? It's just, it's just a separation between New Japan, though, because in DDT Pro, which is also in Japan, right. women are involved constantly with the men. So this is specifically about, like, the Bushi Road products. Um so yeah, you do have that in DDT, but specifically with the Bushi Road products, people are like, "Well, I like these being separate because like sometimes I just people are weird about women's wrestling in general." Um, and that's not just a Japanese thing; it's an American thing too. Like some people just legit don't like it. They're just like they're not as good, like they're not as fluid. It's kind of like it feels like a like something that you're adding to the show as an afterfact, whatever. Um, I don't feel like that, but a lot of people do. I do feel like women's wrestling generally in America, at least, is not as good as men's wrestling. I think that we can all. I mean, kind of agree on that. okay, so on that point, 10, 15 years ago, I completely agree. But when you actually start taking it seriously and putting guys in charge that are really good wrestlers to help them train and produce matches and stuff like that, you have clearly seen that women's wrestling can be the best match on a WWE card yes. right now. So, like, we've seen it. So, like, that's yeah, yeah, crazy no. to me. You never thought you would see that 10 to 15 years ago. Right. Now, the question is whether or not that's true broadly across all promotions, or if it's just that WWE puts on such shit cards sometimes that, like, a good women's match between two, like, good women wrestlers is going to look better than every fucking mediocre men's match. Like, so there's, like, a curve that has some overlap, I feel like. Um, so it's, like, the peak of women's shit is higher than like some of the non-peak of men's shit. But if you're look comparing the peaks of the two, like if you're like you've never seen like a women's equivalent of like a Kenny Omega Okada. It's not there yet. That's that's what I'm getting at. Um, yeah, I think I think it's because also you got to take into consideration with your peak uh, comment is 
that there's a lot of stuff that women can do right now that we've never seen women do, whereas we've seen men do it multiple times, where it'd be a type of match or type of move or whatever. So it'll be a bigger deal because it's still technically relatively new and fresh, whereas we've seen 40 Hell in a Cell matches with men, but we've only seen a couple with women, so they can still do shit that you've never seen women do in a Hell in a Cell match, and it'll pop you, and you'll be like, oh, that was awesome. But if you actually like compare it to uh, King of the Ring, Hell in a Cell with Mankind, Undertaker, or Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, it's like, eh, it doesn't stack up to that, but in the realm of women, it's a huge leap forward. Well, that's why that um, Ty Conti, Anna Jay, and then Penelope Ford and the Bunny like tag hardcore match got so much attention when it did. It's like, you don't really see women do this a whole lot, especially not in Western women's wrestling. And it was a really good match. Um, so yeah, no, I agree that it's coming up for sure. But back to the, the point of bringing that up in the first place is that there are Japanese fans of New Japan and even of stardom who do not want to see them mixed because they feel like it, it's, they're not on the same level and that when they choose something to watch, they don't want one in the other. Um, and what I would say to that is basically like you deal with like eight man tags on the undercard and shit all the time in New Japan that are not particularly like exciting or good or whatever. They're there to further a stable versus stable match or they're there to further like a um, one guy in each of the stables on each one of the teams have some brief conflict in the match to set up a match like way down the line at a, at a major event, whatever. I would much rather have those matches replaced with like good singles women's matches from stardom. So I'm fine with it. Um, the IWGP I agree. And also, if you want to take into account the fact that, like, okay, so I can have Suzuki versus Ishii, and they can go fucking 18 minutes, but then if I have Ishii versus Suzuki on a, and they're on opposite sides of a fucking eight-man tag, and somehow those matches only last six minutes, how do those tag team matches last a lot less then, I mean, as far as, like, logically looking at it, it doesn't make any sense. I'd rather also see a longer, uh, more competitive match between two women. And by the way, I think, actually, that Stardom, to uh, Stardom's uh, gap between their quality of wrestling and New Japan is a lot shorter than the women wrestling here and the men's wrestling. Great. Um, so, Joshi Wrestling is... Um... I think if you if a lot of Western fans that aren't familiar with it, if they did end up comparing it one to one and could get over the, here's the problem that a lot of people have with it too. You don't have like, you don't have a lot of size in wrestling. Like, there's a lot of Rios, there's a lot of Yukas. Like, they're they're they generally are small girls, um, but it's small girls against small girls. So you have like a, um, less of a, of a need to suspend disbelief in the way that you would with like a Nyla versus Riho, I guess, which people have issues with. Um, that being said, um, the gap is smaller. And I think the IWGP women's championship idea that they have where they're like, okay, well, obviously we have this one crossover event, but this belt that we're coming out with is going to be primarily defended on new Japan shows, including like new Japan us shows. Um, I think that's, I think it's a step in the right direction because instead of just blending the shows out right, like you're not throwing all the women's storylines from stardom on New Japan shows like all the time or anything, but you do, ha you save your big match for it. So it does kind of do what I was talking about where like you get rid of one of the weird like eight-man tag matches on the card and have like a good solid like important women's singles match on the card. Yeah, um, and I'm not saying that this should ultimately end up being with stardom just being taken away and then added into New Japan because I like that they have their own platform. And this, that's actually been discussed in WWE a lot. Should women have their own show um, so that they can weekly 
weekly get better and more pe more women can get involved and it would actually help the overall roster instead of just putting this one segment with the same fucking women that we always use in our shows weekly. So um, that was all that's always been a conversation here where as in New Japan, it doesn't have to be because it's already a fucking its own show. It's already its own promotion. So if you take the title and make it uh, relevant in just New Japan, you can always fall back. And guess what? Every fucking New Japan uh, IWGP Women's Championship is going to be fucking lights out because they're already wrestling all the time. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's a good move for I, I think it's a better move for the Stardom brand than it is for the New Japan one. Um, At least out of the gate. Yeah, it could end I don't up think it, potentially being really good for New Japan because, like you said, if you're just getting rid of one of the eight-man tags or whatever. Well, that and what I was more thinking along the lines of was fans crossing over that are currently only a fan of one. You're probably not going to tune into a New Japan show to see the one stardom person that you like defend a belt once. You might go find that one match later by itself. But... That's fine, if because you, new... like you and I just said, we're not all, we're also not tuning in to see the eight-man tags either, though. Right, exactly. But if you're watching a New Japan show and then you see a really good stardom match, it might make you more inclined to go watch more stardom products. So I, I think it's a better deal. Yes, or potentially, brand. or potentially have that be a part of the reason why you come watch a New Japan show later on, because, hey, I really like this fucking champion. She's really right. fucking awesome. Let's see what she does against this other chick that I've never heard of type deal. Right, exactly. So... Uh, I mean, they're both under the same parent company. They're both owned by Bushi Road, so it's not like it's like a, it's not like a WWE AEW crossover or anything like that. It's just um, they're trying to blend some of the product to get more crossover appeal on both, and I, I think that works better in in Stardom's favor too. So, yeah, it's cool. Um, I'm excited to see it. All right, let's move on. That was hot tag topics. Now we're going into media time. Hope you guys enjoy this one. Now, we're going to ask Ryan who has the best chances of uh, coming back with Triple H now in charge of talent relations and creative. So he's in charge of both. So, like, you have to keep in mind that if he's going to bring them back, he already has an idea of what he wants to do with them as well, whether it be NXT or uh, WWE. So we're going to put up the graphic with a few of the few of the names that have been released that were clearly... Uh, under the NXT black and gold brand type deal here involved with Triple H's running of the NXT uh, thing. We've got Bray Wyatt as the Fiend. You got Bo Dallas. We got uh, Bronson Reed. You got Johnny Gargano, Nia Jax, Tegan Knox, the Iconics, Eva Marie, Killer Cross and Scarlet, Tucker Knight, who was a former partner of Otis, Dexter Loomis, and Braun Strowman. And of course, there's a lot of others. Like, I believe Drake Maverick is working behind the scenes with WWE right now, but of course, he was a big Triple H guy. Um, so, out of these names or any names that we haven't mentioned, who do you have as, like, the top two or three most likely to come back under the Triple H creative, uh, creative and talent relations lead? The first name I thought of before you even throw the graphic or anything like that is Killer Cross. There's, I, I don't see any scenario where Triple H is not bringing him back. He's not doing anything. He's not in AEW. I know he's done a couple little sideshow things with, um, like, the thing that he runs um i think he talked at one point about doing something with cyn but i don't know if that was ever a thing but no I, I don't see any way that triple h doesn't try to get killer cross back he clearly had like a whole vision for him he was doing this whole build up with him he got to the main roster they fucked it up whatever he's been gone for long enough to get that fucking stink off of him bring him back build him up like you intended to build him up and put him back in whatever you thought 
they were going to do with him in the in the main roster before they messed it up. Um, I would say if Keith Lee wasn't already in AEW, that he would be somebody too that they would like. Triple H would probably instantly go try to grab, but he's obviously gone. Um, I had Gargano, maybe. Don't know what he would do with him, but I could see him coming back. Um, Dexter Loomis, maybe. I can see Dexter Loomis coming back to NXT, but I can see Gargano coming up to the main roster if they're going to put him with Champa, who they're clearly not doing anything with right now, um, and bringing DIY back. I think they could be... I mean, because like we said so many times on the show, the tag team division is weak. Imagine yes. having DIY on the main roster tag team division. Like, if they actually bought into it and it was just like FTR style, like, we're just going to try to be the best tag team ever, I think that could really fucking work for them. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect to see like a Tucker back. I wouldn't expect to see Nia Jax come back. Um, should see. I, talk- I disagree. I think Tucker would be actually a solid comeback to be with Otis, and, and if he wanted to move on from Chad Gable and have Chad Gable go off on a singles run, because I think heavy, he was yeah, high on heavy machinery so in well NXT right two, in uh, NXT Black and Gold, rather I should say. Do what? But the Chad Gable stuff works so well, like that. They're they're probably doing some of the better work of their careers right now. I don't. I don't see a point in breaking them up. They're just like a really entertaining tag team. I, I like them a lot. I wouldn't break them up. Um, the Iconics, probably not not without a pretty big money offer. They were pretty adamant that they wanted to go do non-wrestling stuff, so I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, unless whatever they were trying to do just isn't panning out or they're not getting some of the offers they thought they would or whatever, then maybe. Okay, but... the, so the two big names that we've obviously omitted are the two that are going to show up at C2E2, and that's Sasha and Naomi. Do you think that, I mean, we've heard reports that they're trying to reconcile now that Vince is out of the picture or whatever. Um, well, if their problem was with Vince, then that makes sense, but... Well, I mean, it was clearly with creative in general. Right, and Vince always had his hand in creative, but they could very well just be like, yeah, as long as that other person is still a writer or whatever, then no, I don't want to come back and Triple H should probably just be like, well, I'll... I'll handle your stuff directly, blah, blah, blah. And that might be able to, enough to get them back, but we'll see. Um, but do you think, I mean, we do th- agree that this is a now a much bigger likelihood that they both come back to WWE instead of going somewhere else. Oh, yeah. Vince this helps there. big I time, would, right? I would assume almost certainly that they do not go back. Um, so, yeah, uh, definitely a bigger chance. I just, we don't know what conversations have been happening between AEW and them, but you have to assume that some have been happening. Um, so I guess it depends on what the what they've been offered already, and then what they're able to get on the counter offer. So I, I don't I would see say how. Okay, so anybody like that's now. on this list that's a former like champion, like a big champion, like a women's champion, like Nia Jax or uh, or a Sasha Naomi. I don't see how you, if you're Triple H, you don't bring them back because you need star power. Now, obviously, Nia Jax has said some dumb shit away from wrestling, but you still need star power. And I'm not gonna just sit here and act like Nia Jax doesn't have any kind of name value for wwe so if you're, tri- if you're if you're in triple h's position listen. nobody's gonna give a fuck if Nia Jax comes back let's be real see it, i don't let, think that's the case like it depends on if they're gonna okay. actually do something with the women's tag team titles though oh, think about this let's say last night at SummerSlam, bailey comes out dakota kai comes out and then fucking Nia Jax comes out do you think the crowd gives a fuck if Nia Jax no, comes the out the crowd would have popped for anybody that came out last night it's SummerSlam. but do they give a fuck like really it would have been a topic of conversation. That's, I mean, they give a fuck enough the to talk conversation, about it. The topic of conversation would have been, why the fuck are they bringing Nia Jax back after she injured like three people and then talked all the shit about WWE when she left? 
Well, the shit that she was talking about WWE turned out to be accurate, though. Okay, did you listen to her on um, Renee's podcast, though? No, I haven't watched that one. I have watched Renee's podcast with, uh, she did the update with Moxley, and she also did one with uh, Dax Harwood, I believe. And then I haven't watched her recent one that she just did. Uh, who was it? I can't remember who it was. Who was it? Who was her last Joey, one with? Joey Janela. Who? Joey Janela. Joey Janela, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I haven't watched that one yet either. Okay, so on the Nia Jax one, she just, she's like extremely fucking unlikable the whole time. And you can tell like Renee's almost uncomfortable with how unlikable she is. She just keeps like saying stupid shit, like talking weird shit about people, like talking about how like she intentionally would fucking sandbag and like try to hurt people in the ring and stuff. Like it was weird. It was fucking weird. And um, yeah, no, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't good. I, there's, the crazy part about that is the biggest problem that, or the biggest person that everybody thought she had a problem with was a Charlotte, and she was at her wedding, and they're yeah. good friends. So that was, yeah, that's yeah. weird to me that she would even say stuff like that, because that's clearly who you had the most problems with in WWE. So I, um, well, they talked about some of that stuff, too, but she does not bring enough to a division to bring her back to me, like, compared to just how deeply unlikable she seems as a person. Um, and all the problems that she apparently causes wherever the fuck she goes. So there's right, a very so, so you got, you, you got Cross and Scarlet because I mean if Cross comes back, Scarlet's coming back. Scarlet's so coming back, you yep. got those two. Uh, he, Triple H is a huge known fan of Tegan Knox, huge supporter of Tegan Knox. What do you think he does with her? Do you think she, he brings her back to NXT 2.0 possibly, and then maybe bring her up eventually to go against Dakota Kai again to rekindle that rivalry? So you bring her back to bring her back to NXT, have her do shit, then go back up to the main roster, and then do something with Dakota Kai. You mean? Correct. Yeah, maybe. Pretty long term plan, but hey, at least when you're pitching it to her, you have a long term plan for her. So. Uh, what about Bronson yeah. Reed? Anything you think Bronson Reed, who was a who was, I mean, Shawn Michaels liked him, Triple H liked him. They gave him the yeah. North American Championship. It could, um, but he's pretty busy. <laughs> oh, is he in New Japan strong? Yeah, he's in New Japan. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know how loads contracts work though. He signed. Like, he's actually signed to New Japan right now. So, or what about uh, the big name? Obviously, is uh, Bray Wyatt. Vince is no longer there to fuck with his entire shit. So, do you think that's? I mean, that's got to be a really positive thing for him if he's looking at that from the outside. You okay? So you have to wonder how much of his trust with the idea of the company in general is, or how much he worked with Triple H before and maybe still felt like some of his stuff wasn't getting through. Because it's not like Triple H had no say in anything back then. Like he he was still working with talent relations for a while too. I mean, um, Triple H can say anything he wants till he's blue in the face to Vince. But if Vince has already made up his mind, it ain't gonna matter, dude. Yeah, um, I can see him coming back, but he'd have to have like a lot of fucking promises <laughs> like i'm gonna give him just, a lot of money yeah for sure yeah they gonna take to, that yeah. lesnar money and be like all right lesnar we've we're good with you we're, we're gonna give this we're gonna give some of this shit to wyatt here yeah. go enjoy your um, uh farm on saskatchewan uh yeah. for take a few months yeah, yeah. <laughs> put the ring down please um i think um, <laughs> i think you could, you could see bray wyatt back i don't think bray wyatt like i don't think most of his character work really works in like an AEW setting or if it does if they go back to like the spooky like uh swamp pastor kind of cult leader thing you already have too much of that vibe already 
between House of Black, Death Triangle, like some of the other spooky shit they got going on. Um, so I don't know if that is too much at that point. He's definitely not going to be doing any weird supernatural shit that's always been done. Hopefully. That might in WWE. Um, in WWE, he definitely would, I think. I think they'd clearly have to bring back... He sells too much merchandise as The Fiend not to bring The Fiend back. Yeah, but you remember when The Fiend started? It wasn't like a supernatural thing. It was like a... It was like it was supposed to just be like an inner expression of his, like, whatever. Yeah, it was more of a... It was more... It was closer to a horror movie, like, horror like slasher film type right. deal than instead of the supernatural film. Yes, I agree. Right. And then they just turned it into goofy shit. So he might not even want to do supernatural stuff. So, we'll see. He might have hey. never wanted Alexa Bliss to be with him. Who knows? Probably A lot not. of people wanted Nikki Ash to be Sister Abigail, if everybody remembers. Well, back back when she was, like, Nikki Yeah, Cross, with Sanity, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, so yeah. there you go. What about one more? Let me again get your thoughts on Bo Dallas. Did you say no to Bo Dallas? I don't know if Bo Dallas wants to wrestle. <laughs> Would you? Well, we said, well, I mean, we reported a few weeks ago that he said he was close to coming back. Remember? And we were kind of shocked at the convention where he said he was, uh, that we haven't seen the last of him. Uh, yeah. I'm out on a farm with. I mean, lives there. <laughs> well, somebody's got to tend Why to them. Why would you want me closer to live Morgan, bro? Like, I don't. You got to tend to them goats. I don't know what the fuck I mean, he's tend doing. Tend to them apples. All, All right. right. Tend to that peach. Okay. What are you talking about? Fuck them know. goats, bro. <laughs> All right. All right. So we got to move on here. We're going to do mark that tweet next. It's going to be a good one. Here we go. Let's do it. You ready for this? Ryan has not seen this one yet. And I believe this has to do with the Triple H shit, too. So let's talk about it. I'm pretty sure if I I can't remember which one I even picked, honestly. Did they find a way to bring AEW <laughs> when you have this it? much shit When you have this much shit happen throughout the week, there's a lot of things to choose from. So let's let's go. Mark that tweet. Yes, it is. Okay. From at Alexis Adams TTV, which is on Twitch, by the way. So, I mean, if you want to don't please don't go just like bombard her with whispers or tell her how dumb she is or whatever. If it's a girl, obviously. Um, but I don't like how girl. I don't like hat. I don't like how at Triple H says they want to give fans what they want. That makes me scared that fans are going to shove who they want down our throats instead of pushing everyone and giving everyone a fair chance regardless of whether the fans like the talent or not. Make it make sense. The product is for the fucking fans. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? She's literally saying don't listen to the fans? Oh, Oh my God, dude. That's some big brain shit. Um, I... I hope that the people that are the most likable don't just get more opportunities. What? What the fuck are you talking about? That's the whole point of that's the whole point of wrestling. Now, if the idea is like that you want people to have the chance to do that, that's one argument, but that's not even close to what this is. This is literally just like push every first of all, you can't push everyone. Because when you push Correct. someone, this is a, they have to I be going over this someone. This is a Vince McMahon burner account. Push everyone, which means 50-50 booking, dude, <laughs> yes, which exactly. we've seen forever. Like, you can't and push everyone. You can't protect everyone. Giving everyone right. a fair chance, regardless of whether the fans like talent or not. What the hell are you talking about? They've never yeah. done that. Look at Cesaro. Look at Sandow. You're telling me they got fair chances? Look at Samoa Joe on the main roster. Look at Killer Cross on the main roster. You're telling me that they all got fair chances? under the old regime and that somehow triple h is going to ruin this for you 
That makes no like, sense. It's so funny. I don't want them to give the fans what they want. So what do you want? What What do you want? You just want people that you can't fuck like the most boring wrestlers possible. You want like I I don't understand. What is the What's the alternative here? What's What does this look like in practice? Because just everybody has fucking Xbox heat, but hey, look, we're trying to give everyone a fair chance. We're trying to push everybody. You still got to go out there, bro. Fucking, uh, oh God, that's awful. That's awful. This, Whether the fans this like this literally makes zero sense. Uh, I mean, is... like 100%. I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. This is how do you this... not like someone giving people what they want? Right. So maybe she's worried about like the tyranny of the majority. So like 90% of people really love Daniel Bryan, but you know what? Everybody should get a fair chance because that 10% of fans, they might not like Daniel Bryan. And uh, we want to see more Jake Hager. Okay. So let's say you're pushing the Jake Hager. Are you not technically then pushing him down our throats because we want something else and you're giving us the opposite. That's why it doesn't make any sense what she's saying. Instead of pushing everyone and giving everyone a fair chance, regardless of whether the fans like the talent or not, what the hell are you talking about? They're going to shove who they want down our throats. What the hell? Like you did with Roman Cena? Yeah, that's the funny what? thing too. She's like, this, the, she's worried the fans are going to push them into shoving people down our throats. But what you've had before instead is people that the fans don't like getting shoved down your throat and making a worse product for it. So what is the... Um, I'm just I'm just curious what her booking looks like in like an ideal scenario. Who, I don't uh, know because clearly if she was in charge, she wouldn't know who to push because I don't want to shove down the fans. Okay, so here's the thing. Let me ask you this then. And here's a big brain question for you, Alexis. If you're pushing everyone, right, then aren't you shoving everyone down our throats? Not only that, but also is every match just going to end like the, the Liv Morgan, Ronda Rousey one? Is that how you push everyone? Just, just push everyone. You and then lose, you, you lose and win at the same time. If you're time. pushing everyone, aren't you giving everyone the fans? Aren't you giving all the fans what they want? <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense, dude. What are you talking about? You can't push everyone and then try to say that you're going to give the fans what they want and shovel, and you're scared that they're going to shove down a certain talent down our throats. That doesn't make any sense. You cannot have both. You cannot push everyone and then also say that in the same fucking tweet. Like, I have... This is one of the worst fucking tweets I've ever had on the show. And we've had some bad ones. This literally makes no sense. Um, That's a... That's an interesting... um... Rule number one of wrestling Twitter, never, never follow accounts with anime profile pictures. You know what that's like to me, though? Like, just imagining this booking scenario. It's like, yeah, you fucking fans are crazy hot for CM Punk. We got, like, he's our biggest merch seller. We got, like, 99% of the fans just love him when he comes out. He gets huge pops, whatever. We were going to put him on tonight's show, but we did some math, and we found out that we're actually not pushing Ted DiBiase Jr. that much. So he's got a main event tonight. Um, We'll just see how it goes. (laughs) Yeah, so like, so let's, say, let's say money making wise, we go go off your merch shit, right? This is like saying Austin, Austin three sixteen. I just watched his documentary on the A and E biography thing, right? Sells the most merchandise of all time, of all time, more than Hogan. Okay, with his Austin three sixteen shirt with the skull on the back or whatever. Trust me, I know we all had one too. All right, I think even my dad had one. You didn't have an Austin three sixteen? No. 
You had a red never, and black wolf pack, though. I know that. I did have that, yes. Yeah, that was cool as shit. And you actually had the cool one with the, all the fucking members on it. Right. Yeah, that was pretty cool. All right, so anyway. So let's just say Austin 316 comes out fucking selling like hotcakes. So instead, instead of pushing Austin's fucking merchandise down our throat and giving him five more shirts that you know are going to sell, let's give Val Venus a shirt. And let's give Goldust a shirt. And let's give fucking, uh, <laughs> let's give Kai and Ty a shirt. You're, you're going to do five other different shirts for people that are not over. And you think and that's you... going to be a better idea than giving Austin five other shirts that you know for a fact are going to sell and everyone's going to have as soon as he wears it the first time he comes out. Make it make sense. You cannot push everyone. It's never been that way. If, if there's one person that can be shoved down someone's throat, it's Val Venus. Um, I... <laughs> I don't know what the fuck the plan is with this booking strategy here. Um, I need them to download EWR or TEW, oh, and please yeah. let me watch your TTV yes. stream so I can see how you're going to book fucking WWE after Vince McMahon retires. Get the mod, Vince retires, put yourself in that place, over in Triple H's place, and let me see how you book this so I can see you lose and bleed all the money <laughs> because that doesn't make any goddamn sense. Please push everyone. Please push okay. everyone. So you're going to have one match a night, and literally it's going to be a Royal Rumble every time, and everybody's going to be in the main event. What the fuck are you talking about? And the finish for the main, for the finish for the Royal Rumble is the last two guys go out at the same time. You just you don't want to push anyone too much over the other people. <laughs> Co-winners every Royal Rumble, baby. Bret Hart and Lex Luger every time. Make it happen. This has got to be one of the dumbest tweets I've ever seen, and there are a lot of them. I mean, it's not, it's not Gareth bad, but like it's you know it's bad because it thinks that it made sense. Gareth at least I think understands that he's a fucking moron. Gareth this is objectively is... stupid. Okay. Yes. Just says dumb shit. But at least you understand it. Like, you're not looking at it from five different ways trying to figure out what the fuck he's even saying. We know what he's saying. It's just fucking dumb. This, yeah. I don't know what the fuck they're saying. <laughs> like, break it I down for yeah. me. Because I, I've broke it down six different ways, and none of them make any sense, Alexis. Come on. Come on. How are you even smart enough to run a Twitch? Somebody's doing that for you. Somebody set your shit up for you, bro. There's no way. There is no way that you're tweeting out takes like this and you set up your own Twitch. There's no way. I've never, I've never met somebody that was a fan of something and said, you know what? I really hope this thing that I like just wants to fuck me over instead of giving me what I want. <laughs> like, what does that mean? I really love Game of Thrones. I hope they write it in the way that just pisses off the most people possible. I hope everybody in Game of Thrones lives for eight seasons. Yeah. Yeah, no one dies. We're equally powerful here. Everyone is... Everyone is on the throne. We have 15 fucking thrones, and everyone gets one. What the fuck are you talking about, Alexis? Anyway, Alexis, okay. I'm sorry, but we have to mark that tweet. This is brutal, and uh, you have to know. You don't know shit! Your opinions suck! You fucking mark! <laughs> There you go. Sorry, Alexa. Not sorry. That's one of the dumbest <laughs> tweets we've had on the show ever. Okay. That was a good choice. All right, guys. That's going to do it for the show today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It will be available on YouTube. And, of course, as always, you can join us live every Sunday right here on Twitch, just like you did today. And I appreciate everybody coming through. Jake Madness, GM, Taekwon for coming in again with some good thoughts. Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Deuces. Peace.